morning, good people. My name is Nikki J, and I am your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast, an international podcast with an audience that touches literally every continent. We're in season three of the podcast, and this season is all about the various tools that we can use in our financial arsenal because we all need them. And today I have the specialist of all special guests with me today. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> this thank is my you. best friend. <laughs> We've known each other since like ninth grade, I think, in high school. Oh, yeah. Maybe 10th grade. I mean, if I want to, if we want to speak to our ages, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> We've known each other for a while. We won't speak to our ages. <laughs> We've known each other for a while. Uh, so this is my best friend, Candice, and she actually has her own practice as a therapist. <laughs> she has her own firm and it is called Kaleidos Counseling. And I'm so excited for her to be with us today because a lot of people don't think that therapy is either necessary or affordable or, you know, really something that will help them. So we're going to ask her a bunch of questions because, yeah, therapy can actually be beneficial, but don't take my word for it. We have a therapist with us today. So Candice, thank you so much for joining us today. How thank are you, you for having me. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing great. I'm very energetic. Um, I'm running on fumes though. So that's where that energy is coming from. Um, So just ignore me and all of my energy, but I'm very excited for you to be with us today. I'm just, I'm so proud of you. Just want to say that out loud because you just started your own practice. I did. Thank you. It was terrifying, but exciting and liberating all at the same time. So thank you. I'm super happy. Good. Okay. So first, before we even get to the fact that you have a practice, let's talk about what made you want to even become a therapist. Ooh, how much time do we have? (laughs) We've got all the time for you. Well, I don't want to be that stereotypical person that says, oh, I've known since I was young that I wanted to be a therapist, but I truly did. Um, I feel like most people go into the practice because they want to help others, right? Um, and my story is feeling like I wasn't helped as a child, mm-hmm. wanting to really have those resources and have access to be able to speak to somebody. But uh, mental health is still very stigmatized in the community, in the Black community. So I wasn't afforded those opportunities. So growing up, I kind of made the decision that I didn't want other children, other individuals to feel like they had nowhere to turn. Mm-hmm. And therein lies the therapy. Nice. I, I feel like that is... I'm not going to say stereotypical. I feel like it's very common, but I don't think it's a bad comment because I think we all want to provide maybe something that we either really benefited from in our childhood or lacked in our childhood. So I I love that. Yeah, that's something that you connect with because you're also counseling people who have access and some people may just now be gaining access. So you still have that connection with them. Um, How long have you been a therapist? So, um, I started my registered internship. So Florida, I'm in the state of Florida, I guess I'll give a little bit of a background, right? So I am a licensed mental health counselor or LMHC in the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been licensed as a mental health counselor since 2016. Um, in the state of Florida, you are required to register as a mental health counselor intern for at least two years. So once I graduated from graduate school, go Bulls, in 2014, I registered as a a counselor intern and did that for two years until I was fully licensed in 2016. So we're coming up on, what is that, eight years of counseling? 
Nice. Which is still a little bit mind boggling for me. Can I math right? That's eight years. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is still a little bit mind boggling because sometimes I still feel like, oh my gosh, how did I get here? You know, how, yeah. how have I made it this far? Um, and, you know, this journey has just been kind of wild along the way, but very grateful and very fortunate to, to be here and to have the experience that I've had, the experiences that I've had actually. Nice. You seem really passionate about it, um, which I can tell just like from like the way you talk about it. And obviously I talk to you more than like the average person will talk to you, but I know, I know that you're passionate, but I can also just tell from the way you talk about it. And so I'm wondering, is that passion, um, what sparked your interest in wanting to have your own practice? Absolutely. Um, having that, having a practice gives me a lot more autonomy and a lot more control over who I can see, when I can see them, how I can work with them. And also, as we'll discuss a little bit later, the fees associated with it. So mm-hmm. um, having the practice and being my own business owner, I'm, I'm able to be a lot more discretionary um, about who I choose to see, but also um, I'm able to have the time and flexibility to see people in a way that maybe I wouldn't be able to do if I was in a community mental health agency. Um, a lot of times in some, some um, practices or uh, different agencies, there's the expectation of you see people at the top of every hour. And I think that leads to a lot of burnout um, yeah. and maybe not being able to give clients and give individuals the time and care and focus that they truly need in that 45 to 50 minutes. So it's definitely something that has led me to where I am now of how can I better advocate for myself and also my clients in, mm-hmm. in a different way. Oh my gosh. I love that. Like, not only is it about your clients, it's also about you as well. Like, I I love that. I'm going to need to say that at some point. I'm going to cite you. So just be prepared. (laughs) Why, hello. (laughs) Thank you. Candice. (laughs) (laughs) So in your practice, um, what areas and groups do you primarily focus on? So primarily, um, as of right now, I'm seeing individuals only. Um, and those individuals are 18 plus, um, just because in this current COVID state, since I am still seeing people virtually, it can be difficult to build that rapport and have that interaction with children I've found. Um, so focusing on adults and uh, some of the concerns that clients will come to me for largely are related to stress. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all experiencing that, right? Um, relationship concerns, attachment issues, anxiety, depression, grief, lots mm-hmm. I have a lot of experience with that. Um, and generational trauma is a big thing that has come up recently mm-hmm. about unlearning some of the patterns of behavior that have been instilled in us from parents or grandparents and learning that maybe those uh, behaviors aren't healthy. Uh, maybe they served a purpose for our parents or grandparents, but are no longer serving us yeah. and how to kind of forge a new path forward and learn a different way of being. That has been a huge focus recently. Nice. I've actually seen a lot of that on social media where people are unlearning a lot of the things that they've learned from their elders. Um, and I think what you said is so important, like what worked for our parents, or our grandparents 
may not necessarily work for us, especially since the literally, the, I was going to say the climate is so different, but literally and figuratively, the climate is so different. And, you know, social um, norms are different as well as just how we think and understand how different um, forms of discipline, different forms of communication can affect us or, you know, continue to have some kind of effect on us as we become adults. Uh, so I think it's so important. And because it's such a important topic that is going on on social media, it makes me wonder, like, do you consider therapy to be an investment in with with anyone who could then use that to their benefit? I'm nodding my head. Nobody can see that, <laughs> but I'm nodding as you're talking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if you think um, I've been doing this thing this way for so long and it's not helping me anymore, it's mm. not helping advance me in what I want. And it's actually hindering me from reaching my goals or for, from living a healthier, more fulfilled life, then absolutely it's important to invest in your mental health the same way it would be to invest in your physical health, uh-huh. right? If you are struggling with man, I always equate things to physical conditions because I feel like as a society, mental health is still so stigmatized and um, misunderstood mm-hmm. and misrepresented but we're able to make that connection with physical health. So I often use like diabetes. Um, If you were struggling or diagnosed with diabetes, you would make changes towards your diet. You would make changes Mm -hmm. towards your lifestyle. You may invest in new walking shoes so that you won't hurt yourself further when you exercise more or something like that. And I think the same definitely does apply to your mental health. Um, The results may not be physically noticeable, but in one's um, manifestations, in one's external kind of um, behavior towards the world, in one's internal dialogue and in the way that they relate to others or perceive things, those things are important and those things can be impacted by therapy. Absolutely agree with, with everything you just said just now. Um, it's So I think a lot of times, and I primarily talk about finances, but I'm also trying to get people out of the habit of assuming that, you know, when it comes to your financial wealth and well-being, that it's only about the numbers and it's only about the money. And when we think about investing in something, we typically tend to think about, you know, investing in companies or stocks, bonds, um, you know, investing in all kinds of things. But we will also benefit from investing in ourselves. And so everything you just said is so true. I think a lot of times if we don't see a financial gain in something that we invest in, I'm using air quotes, then we almost don't think of it like an investment. But if I invest in myself by going to therapy and at the end of you know my sessions or as I continue to go, I'm starting to become a better version of myself or I should say more equipped version of myself then there is some return on that investment. So I- We are the biggest (laughs) things to invest in, honestly. Uh I mean, first and foremost, I mean, when you think about budgeting, what do you say? Save first, pay yourself first before you pay everything else, right? Um, Yeah, I, I just, I struggle to kind of think about how other things can be fruitful or, um, successful if one isn't investing in themselves yeah and it's so I mean, important the whole, oh, no go ahead you're probably gonna say, I was gonna say the whole the whole reason to go on a, on a financial journey right and budgeting and you know um working on attaining uh, financial security is to invest in yourself presently and your future self 
that's the whole point. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's, that's why. So mental health is, is a component of that. Yeah, definitely agree. And then I, we've talked about this on another podcast episode. I can't remember which specific episode, but just in discussing like what your triggers are. So some of us have spending triggers where, you know, we, we might have a really bad day at work or we might have like our anxiety might just be peaking that day or depression, but it triggers us into doing something that for some of us may only come out as I have to go spend money or buy something or, you know, do something crazy or chaotic, whatever that is, but it may, in, it may result in spending money either unnecessarily or just money that we don't have to actually spend. So it's like, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we could also be doing ourselves a disservice and ultimately affecting our finances anyway. So yeah, we, we have to start with ourselves. Like that is the point of the journey. You know what that sounds like? Developing coping skills. Ooh, can you, you know, healthy, more? healthy coping skills and, and strategies that um, are not detrimental, that are not maladaptive, that will help you versus maybe hinder you. Because um, you think about overspending, you think about overeating and, and other types of overindulgences. Mm. Those are things that give you that quick hit of dopamine that make you feel good for a second, but then comes the regret, the shame the blame or, you know, cursing yourself and all of those mm. things um, afterwards, um, just to maybe avoid a negative or unhealthy emotion or thought, excuse me, um, a negative emotion or an unhealthy thought, um, or to just not feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had a bad day, I want to feel better. So add to cart, Amazon purchase, two day shipping, immediate gratification. I'm talking to myself in that because <laughs> um, I am definitely guilty of that as well. Yeah. Um, however, if you had maybe some different coping strategies, like, you know what, I've had a difficult day. So instead of indulging in this chocolate or, you know, um, mm. spending to cope with my feelings, I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to journal, or I'm going to meditate, or I'm going to engage in, engage in some other form of self-care that maybe doesn't have the um, kind of negative afterthoughts associated with it of the, the blame, the guilt, the, oh, I shouldn't have done that, and, and all of that negativity. Yeah, nice. I So you have all of the professional words of what I've been trying to say. I'm going to need to bring you on for another episode so we can talk specifically about healthy coping habits in response yes. to things that are triggering us. Um, so I, I'm also... I know that that mental health is very much stigmatized, but I feel like it's also stigmatized in a way of like, it's just very affordable, right? And it's not something that's for, you know, certain income levels. So do you find that in offering these services that it is affordable or at least can be affordable? It can be. Um, And that I think depends on a lot of different factors, right? So when I mentioned before about being a business owner, having a practice and having more control over um, who I see and when I see them, it really does depend on the therapist as well. So, um, a question that I have mentioned asking is asking your therapist if they offer a sliding scale. So maybe they have a fee associated and that fee is $90 and that is a little bit too steep for you, but you've maybe had an initial consultation with them or you've read their website or bio and, you know, something really resonates with you. 
you can have that conversation with your therapist and say, Hey, you know, I'm having a little bit of financial difficulty and, you know, are you able to, um, offer a sliding scale? I can't pay $90, but I can pay $60 or $75 or whatever. And your therapist may say, no, 90, take it or leave it. Or they may say, okay, given your circumstances, you know, I know that you may be financially strapped right now or have a lower income and I can work with you on that. Some therapists may also like lawyers, um, work with you pro bono. So, you know, where they won't charge you any fees associated with it, you'll, you'll see them regularly and they may have a few designated slots in their clientele for, um, lower fee paying clients or pro bono clients so that they can continue to see, um, the community at large and individuals who may be economically disadvantaged. So those are a couple of different ways where therapy may be more accessible in ways that people have not thought of. Wow. Does it matter if a therapist offers sliding scale or not? Like, does it say anything about the therapist who does or doesn't offer that? I mean, I may be biased because I don't think it does. Right. (laughs) Um, There may be some business savvy folks who say, oh, well, you're selling yourself short and, you know, you need to offer something that's more consistent with what other therapists in the area are offering. Right. Um, I try to put myself into the shoes of a client and maybe the perception is if you you see other therapists are offering services at $90 an hour, but you see this one therapist offering services at $65 an hour, you might think, well, what's wrong with them? And why are they only charging $65 an hour? Um, But I think there's a lot of different things that go into a therapist fees, right? Um, what experience do they have? How long have they been in practice is mm. one thing. Yeah. Um, what kind of educational background or training or certifications do they have? Are they specialized in, I don't know, I'll say DBT, uh, dialectical behavior therapy, where they've taken training courses on that? Or are they EMDR certified where they can provide that type of trauma therapy? Mm-hmm. Um these are things to really consider as far as what goes into a rate. So for myself, I don't think there's anything wrong with offering sliding scale. I don't think there's anything wrong with um, opening up the ability to maybe assist and help more people. But on the flip side of things, as a business owner, you do have to make a profit, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very, uh, there's a delicate balance associated with that. Gotcha. And I, what I don't want people to think is like, oh, if there's a therapist who does offer a sliding scale, then like you said, what's wrong with them, right? But there is a way to look into the therapist and see what they offer. Uh, but if something is affordable, y'all, that doesn't mean that it's bad. That means that it's affordable. So <laughs> I don't want people to understand. Expensive like, doesn't necessarily mean better. Exactly. I mean, to use like a really silly example. I mean, you think about like, brand name spaghetti and store-bots they're store brand spaghetti i mean mm-hmm. oftentimes they're made in the same factory but one may be a dollar cheaper but they're exactly the same right. so expensive does not necessarily mean better it really depends on what you're paying for mm-hmm. and a lot of times with you know again brands you may be paying for a name versus an actual the actual quality of a product yeah and while we're on the topic um so i know conducting research about your potential therapists and understanding what they offer is definitely one thing we should look into when selecting a therapist. Are there any other um, questions that we should be asking to a therapist before we decide to go with that therapist? So when trying to look for a therapist, 
what maybe qualities that you're looking for or kind of things to look out for to determine whether or not you choose to proceed with them. And Mm -hmm. I I say choose to proceed with them because it's a mutual thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just the therapist saying, yes, I'll accept you as my client. It's also, does this therapist fit with me and my style? So what kind of theoretical approach do they have is one thing. Um, If you've perhaps been in therapy before and you know um, cognitive behavior therapy works best for me, you may want to find a therapist that focuses and that's their theoretical orientation. Um, Another is going to be cost. And I'm not listing these in any hierarchical way or, you know, order of importance. I'm just kind of off the top of my head. Um, Fees and their availability. Um, Are they only available on Friday? And does that schedule match with yours? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just a really important thing to consider as well, because otherwise, if they're so booked um, and they're not able to see you or fill you, you know, fit you into their schedule, are you going to really benefit from regular sessions? Right. Um, Another thing would be, what's their background? What do they have experience in? And what is their training? Um, if somebody who was struggling with um, anorexia or nervosa wanted to s- come work with me, I don't have experience working with eating disorders. Mm. So would I be a good fit for them? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Don't don't work with me. I don't, don't work with somebody who doesn't have the experience in the issues that you're seeking help with. Right. Um, so that's another thing to consider is do they have the experience and background in what you're presenting for. Uh And then, as I mentioned, what's their training? What's their licensure? How long have they been licensed? Have they um, done any continuing education or certifications or um, other uh, certifications that may be beneficial or may be important to you? Yeah. Is this stuff typically listed on the website or is it something that people might be expected to like reach out to the therapist and ask that, or I, I'm sure it depends, but in your experience. <laughs> it depends. Um, <laughs> I have it on my website. So if you go in my website and you look at the about me, you will see my background. You'll see how long I've been in practice in providing services, what my experience is and what my credentialing is. Um, Some individuals may have it on their website or like their psychology today site Mm -hmm. and other people may just kind of rely upon you to ask those questions, which if you don't have exposure or experience, you won't know what questions to ask, which is kind of putting someone in a bind. So I definitely think it does depend, but similarly to when you're looking to hire another professional, right? You want to make sure that they're going to be a good fit for you. So if you Uh, are seeking to um, retain a lawyer, you want to make sure that the lawyer is not, I don't know, doing torts and you need a divorce lawyer or something, you know, I like, you want to make sure that they're qualified to be helping you with what you need help with. So I hope that answers your question. There really does depend. Um, But I think, you know, a good first step would be, you know, asking about their license, right? Are they licensed? Mm -hmm. Um, because you can check that that's public record. Um, are they licensed? Um, and you can check on me. I'm in Florida. So you can check on um, Florida's website for mental health professionals and see if there are any, um, kind of disciplinary actions against the provider as well. Um, so these are all kind of things that you can do a little bit of research on as well. 
Um, I will also add that these days, typically a lot of therapists are doing like an initial consultation with clients. I will speak for myself. I do initial 15 minute free consultations with potential clients who are uh, prospective, who are interested in possibly services. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's like an interview. I'm interviewing you. You're interviewing me. We're trying to see if this is a good fit. Yeah. Um, we go over next steps. We go over fees. We go over how frequently somebody may want to be seen. And then we determine if it's best to proceed. And that's also a great opportunity to have some of these conversations, ask some of these questions and really get a feel for the person that you may be working with um, to make sure that they're capable of helping you and that you would feel comfortable. That's the most important thing. Do you feel comfortable with this provider? Do you feel comfortable that they will be um, validating and supportive and listen to you Mm -hmm. and be present with you? Yeah, that's so important. Like you guys have to feel comfortable um, because I told Candace once before uh, I was working with a therapist and like every single time I went to her office, she was just like, she was never on time. She always had someone that was running over by like 15 to 30 minutes. And it just, it made me go into each session already pissed off. And I'm like, man, but she would never address it or acknowledge it. She'd just be like, okay, hi. So are we not going to talk about how, so I would go into the therapy session just upset. And I was like, I'm not even comfortable in my own therapy session. So please make sure that whichever therapist you decide to work with, if you guys are going to get one, that you feel comfortable with them in every session because it can affect how you communicate with them throughout each session, at least in my experience it has. Um, Now, before we even get to one of the important parts, which is really like vetting the therapist, how can we even recognize when we need a therapist? I know it's different for every person, but are there maybe like three general things that you can give us where it's like, you might need a therapist? (laughs) If you're even asking yourself the question, do I need a therapist? <laughs> you probably need to talk to a therapist. <laughs> First and foremost, you know, if you're even sitting there thinking about it, just, just go for it, you know, um, because it, it may be really beneficial for you. And I say may because therapy is different for everybody. Some people are like, I've done it before and it was absolutely dreadful. I've been to 1700 therapists and they all were terrible. Oh. Um, and some people are like, therapy changed my life. So I, no one, I can't offer you a guarantee of do these quick five easy things in your life will be forever improved tenfold. Um, but it may be helpful for you. So my first thing is if you are asking yourself the question, should I be talking to a therapist? Do I need to see a therapist? Then possibly, possibly. (laughs) Yes. Um, two, what symptoms are you having? Um, And I say symptoms is like a clinical term, right? But are you having difficulty with kind of your day-to-day activities, right? Is it taking you longer to get out of bed in the morning? Are you finding yourself really sad or overwhelmed? Are you having difficulty managing everyday life stressors? Maybe it's time to talk to a therapist because they may be able to help you um, again, work out some healthy coping strategies, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But also process maybe some of the things that are happening in your life. And then the third thing would be, has there been a significant life event that you need help with? 
Yeah. Maybe a it's lot of us. beneficial to talk to a therapist. I mean, we are living in the midst of a pandemic. And I think now more than ever, a lot of people have been seeking um, mental health counseling because of this progressive ongoing level of stress and trauma that we are exposed to every single day. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, prolonged. And a lot of people have struggled with the isolation. Uh We found that um, instances of like substance abuse have increased um, in the midst of the pandemic. I do. I wish I had specific numbers and I'll probably have to send you some afterwards. You can add them in the the show notes, but um, you know, we've, we found that some of these things have increased because of the pandemic and I am a believer in that even though we may have people who are introverts and like to keep to themselves, humans, homo sapiens sapiens are social <laughs> beings, right. you know, and we do need some level of social interaction and that connection and community to thrive and survive. Um, and so being cooped up and not having that one-to-one time with just anybody aside from oneself and one's own thoughts that could be terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine so, like, I mean, so you guys know I have a partner and a dog. So I, we talk to each other a lot, but I can't imagine me just being with me and my thoughts all day long. Like I need to talk to someone and I, I'm an extrovert. So that's probably why. But I mean, even for, like you said, for introverts, like we still need that community to, you know, just make it through like extended periods of time without contact and community is very challenging. Absolutely. Pre-pandemic, um, my um, full-time employment, I was working remotely 60 to 80% of the time, typically. Wow. Um, so I was going into the office one or two times a week. And those one or two times a week were enough for me <laughs> to have like that adult human interaction uh-huh. to, you know, collaborate with my colleagues, to talk about things, just to have that connection. And that was good. And then to suddenly have that like kind of ripped away where I'm left with all my pets, my cat doesn't talk back. They don't like interact, (laughs) you know, Um, it just was, it's really lonely sometimes or it can be really lonely sometimes. And again, isolating to just have that solitude against one's will. And I think that's another part is like that aspect of choice being taken away. Because I didn't even have the option of, well, I'll just go and do X, Y, and Z. It's like, mm-hmm. nope, you can't do any of that. You're just stuck there. Yeah. Um, that definitely makes so, a big difference as well. It's like, if you want to be in the house by yourself, you know, that's one thing. But when you just have no choice but to be in the house by yourself, it just, taking away that option, I feel like just makes it, you know, a completely different ballgame because you're, you're not doing it on your own. It's just, that's what you have to do. Right. And you think about the sense of hopelessness, you think about the sense of helplessness Uh associated with it and what we've all been going through the past couple of years. It makes sense that there will be maybe an incident, you know, increased incidence rate of depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, or any other stress reaction, you know, adjustment disorders, us having difficulty adjusting to what life is like right now and how we're existing right now. Uh All of these things. So absolutely, I think that now more than ever, mental health is so crucial in order to help us kind of navigate this quote unquote new normal. Yeah. And one thing that I've noticed in like 
talking to people who have questions about their their finances, their journey, and just how to get started or get on track or get back on track is that there are so many of us who are dealing with financial traumas. Financial traumas could be a plethora of different things. But, you know, in your experience and in your expert opinion, do you think that therapy is something that can help with financial traumas that we've encountered? First, what do you mean by financial traumas? So I've talked to people who have given me like various, what I would consider to be various different kinds of financial traumas. Um, So for example, I spoke to one person and they said that growing up, their parents, um, never gave them money for anything, but it was almost like a, I'm not going to give you any money. And every time you want literally the slightest thing, you have to come to me and ask. And then I get to decide, obviously it's their money, but I get to decide whether or not you deserve that thing and whether or not, you know, my money should be getting you that thing. Um, I've spoken to another person who's like, they would make money. They would make money. Every single dollar they made, their family wholeheartedly expected them to send it back to the family. And I mean, this is an adult who is outside of their parents' home. They don't have any of their kids, like, but their parents were like, where's the paycheck? Because we need to pay X, Y, Z bills. Parents are, are physically fit to work, but are just like, no, you need to pay the bills. Um, I saw a TikTok the other day, and, and I'm only going to give you a couple of these, but I saw a TikTok the other day. Um, I don't remember where she was from, but I think this one had a bit of a cultural aspect to it where Mm -hmm. um, she was the oldest daughter in the family. I believe there were two of them and she graduated. She'd gone to school. You know, she did her thing. I guess she was making good money and her younger sibling was now in college, but the sibling was like spending all of her money on clothes and shopping and not using it for her rent, groceries and gas. So the younger sister started asking the older sister for more money. And the older sister was like, no, I'm not giving you any more money. I, You need to go to your parents and ask your parents for money and they need to support you. And the parents mm-hmm. were basically like, you are a disgrace. Like, how dare you cut your sister off and not give her? I wish I, I'm going to find the video. But um, they basically were like, how could you you know, just leave your sister hanging out there. Like it's your turn to take care of the family and to like pay it back. And she went to detail, but it was essentially the family like shaming her for not wanting to take care of her sister, even though the parents were more than capable of being able to take care of the sister who was obviously being ungrateful because she's just, you know, thinking there's more money to be had. Um, So just, I mean, they're like, in my mind, there are so many things that could be financial trauma. I recognize that I'm also like, umbrellaing all of them. Well, what I'm hearing now, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that sounds like one trauma in general. And we talked about like that generational trauma as yeah. well, as far as like patterns of behavior being passed down or adopted by individuals. But two, it sounds like um, an exercise in boundaries. And, mm. you know, because uh, I'm hearing like emotional manipulation from some of the families. I'm hearing kind of some... Um, we would term it like enmeshment and like the Uh lack of boundaries within the family system. Again, I'm like thinking theoretical brains (laughs) of all the dynamics and alliances and oh my gosh, all of these things happening like family (laughs) systems. Um, But for sure, I think that having therapy can definitely help you with kind of um, 
processing some of those experiences, right? And viewing them from a different way and coming through the other side, feeling more empowered to make decisions for yourself and let go of the maybe blame or shame or guilt associated uh-huh. with prioritizing yourself and your own well-being, your own financial well-being over that of others. It can be really hard in general to implement boundaries and tell people no. And I find that that increases exponentially when it comes to your family, you know, um, (laughs) parents, especially, but also if there's um, different cultural norms associated with it, I'm I'm a black woman, so I can only speak about the black community. However, you know, we have our own kind of, um, in my family hierarchy, right, where Mm -hmm. you respect your elders. Do as, do as I say, not as I do, you know, um, and if an elder kind of tells you to do something, there's no question associated with it. And Mm -hmm. if you say no, because you want to execute some form of autonomy, Mm -hmm. then it's you're ungrateful, you're selfish, you're, you know, insert adjective here. And you have that kind of guilt and, and blame associated with just taking care of yourself. So I think that um, when I'm thinking about like a hierarchy of things, right, healing from those past financial traumas and recognizing that none of those things were your fault or were Uh that person's fault, right? And that um, they were not in control in that situation. And now is the opportunity for them to be in control, to not feel helpless. Uh That can help with making some of the difficult decisions a little bit easier because there are going to be a lot of no's on a financial journey. Yeah. Whether that be externally to family, friends, or internally to yourself of like delaying or denying gratification because something else takes precedence. Yeah. I hope that answered the question. It did. And I'm like, you use the word that we all needed, which is boundaries, because that's really what it is. And I recognize for some of the people who I've spoken to, I think there are a couple other people who have told me about things that happened when they were kids. So it's much more challenging to assert boundaries when we're kids. But I think we kind of just fall into that role even, even as adults. And we're like, oh, well, like you said, we've always been doing it like this. So as an adult, I'm going to keep doing it like this. But as an adult, you do get more autonomy. So that should be a good place to start at least trying to assert some boundaries, right? You know, your, your no might be a whisper, but five years from now, it is going to be a resounding hell no, it's not going to happen. So um, I think the word that a lot of us might be looking for is boundaries. Um, and uh, really, I think because everyone is so different and the dynamics of whatever financial trauma or situation are very different. I think therapy, like you said, could really benefit um, each and every one of us who may have experienced something like that. But I think ultimately like boundaries is, is where it's at, which I'm not going to lie to y'all. I've been budgeting for years. It is hard to set boundaries with myself, let Mm -hmm. alone to like set boundaries with, um, like a family member who's always treated me this way or, you know, just a partner who's never let me have my own, like it is going to be challenging, but Mm -hmm. the more you work on it and flex that no muscle, I think it can definitely help along the way. Oh, for sure. And I will just say for anybody who's listening, it is okay to say no to your family. Mm. Say that again, please. It is absolutely okay to say no to your family giving you all the snaps. Yes. Yes. I mean, we couldn't say, I will speak for myself. I couldn't say, no, I'm not doing that as a child. 
Uh, there would have been some uh, not pleasant consequences associated with that, right? Right. But I am no longer a child. You are no longer a child. Mm-hmm. You can say no. Yeah. Ooh, y'all, please write that down in your notebook, in your Black Girl Budget notebook. It is okay for you to say no. At um, the top of the page, it is okay <laughs> to say no. And as Nikki said, it gets easier over time. You know, it is a muscle that needs to be flexed. It may be a whisper at first. And then suddenly you'll be confident and be like, not just no. (laughs) You know? Not going to (laughs) happen. Not going to happen. And it it absolutely is very difficult to implement those boundaries. But remember, boundaries are not just for the other person. They're for you. Um. And they demonstrate how you want to be treated and what you will or will not tolerate. So if we continue to allow people to treat us in a certain way, well, they're going to continue doing it. Yes. Oh, yes, they will. Mm-hmm. Ooh, y'all. Can't, okay, Candice, you're not going to take us to church right now. Okay? That's what you're <laughs> I <not> mean. Gonna... <laughs> We're not going to take us on this. If you let me. <laughs> um, that's so important. And I, Candice, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, this was all really good, helpful information. And anybody who maybe forgot that she said this earlier, um, therapy can be affordable, right? We have um, ways that we can reach out to therapists and ask if they offer, you know, reduced fees. And also don't forget about insurance, guys, if we have insurance. But, you know, don't think that therapy is something that is beyond your reach because you don't make enough money or because you didn't have it as a child or, you know, none of your friends are in therapy or your partner doesn't like it. Just research and see if you can find a therapist. Um, Candice, I know you mentioned earlier that you do virtual appointments. So for anyone who is just like, wow, um, Candice sounds amazing. I want to work with her. Where can we find you and how can we do our research on you and then do a consultation as well? (laughs) Before I answer that, I also wanted to add, since you did mention insurance, Um, If there are therapists that do not accept insurance, they may Mm -hmm. be able to provide you with a super bill so that if you do have out-of-network benefits, you can submit to your insurance company for reimbursement. So what that'll be is like an invoice that'll show the service that was provided, you know, um, how much that cost, how much you paid, and then you submit that to your insurance company and they may reimburse you for a portion of that fee. So that's also something to consider if you do have out-of-network benefits through your health insurance carrier. Of course, check with them to see what they cover, how much your out-of-pocket would need to be before they start covering. Um, but that is also an option for you if you want to see an, uh, excuse me, a therapist that maybe doesn't accept insurance or doesn't accept your particular insurance. Nice. Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. Cause I actually did forget about insurance earlier. Uh, me too. I forgot about it cause I do not accept insurance, but also that helps with what you're able to accept because if you're um, taking insurance, right, uh-huh. you have to take their copay. Oh. You can't reduce their copay for them. That's a breach. Oh. Um, and I think is illegal or un- probably illegal. Um, I think that's some type of fraud. Uh, Don't quote me on that. You can, you can cut that out, but um, (laughs) I think that's some type of fraud if you're not accepting their entire copay. So if you are not accepting insurance, that again, gives a therapist more flexibility as to the fees and the rates that they're able to provide to clients because they're not bound by that agreement. Um, 
Okay. So for people who are like, I want to work with Candice, where can they find you and do their research and due diligence? You can find me on the web at <laughs> www.kaleidoscounseling.com. That is Kaleidos, K-A-L-E-I-D-O-S counseling.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Kaleidos Counseling. Nice. Well, thank you so much. You guys go check out Candace on Instagram as well as her website. Remember, she does do consultations, 15-minute consultations. Free 15-minute consultation. Again, you get to decide if you want to work with me. This is a mutual thing. I'm all about empowering clients. You are a fully autonomous human being. This is a, you know, this is a two-way street. So you have to feel comfortable working with me just as much as I would feel comfortable working with you. Nice. Thank you so much, Candice. I appreciate it. We are certainly going to have to bring you back on to talk about our coping mechanisms. So we'll circle I back I love to all that. the coping. Healthy coping. We love it. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for being with us today. And we will see you all next week on another episode of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. Bye.